Welcome to the GMAT Strategy Podcast. You're here because you believe there's a better way to study for the GMAT, and so do I. I created the GMAT Strategy to maximize your results and minimize your efforts so you can get to the fun parts about business school and life as quickly as possible. My name is Isaac Puglia, and I've been teaching GMAT classes and tutoring privately for the GMAT for over six years, and I personally have achieved a 99th percentile score on an official GMAT exam and helped hundreds of students get into the business schools of their choice. I'm excited to be a part of your MBA journey since I think the world can benefit from the best possible business leaders that we can find. And if this show is bringing you value, please share it with your friends and family who are studying for the GMAT so that together we can make this process as easy and painless for as many people as we possibly can. Let's go. Today, I'd like to try something different with the podcast than what I've traditionally done. So far, I've most mostly focused on strategy, study tactics, motivation, time management, those kinds of things that are absolutely essential, in my opinion, to maximizing your score and uh, minimizing the effort you need to reach that score. But I've also realized that there are other aspects of GMAT study that I'm not addressing with the podcast that could be particularly valuable. So this is going to be a little bit of an experiment for all of us, and I welcome any and all feedback that you have about this direction that I'm choosing to go. Now, I'm not going to completely move away from strategy. I think that that is a major strength of mine as an instructor, and I'm going to be mostly focusing on strategic components of these questions that I am about to talk to you about, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the Khan Academy videos that are on YouTube. I will link to each video that I go through in the episode notes. This today is going to be GMAT math video number one, where Sal goes through a bunch of problems from the 11th edition of the official guide for GMAT review. So I think because it's been out of print for so long, it's okay that he is actually reading the actual questions verbatim. I don't think that we would be able to do that legally with the current edition of the official guide, although if anyone does know the legalities of that, please message me and let me know what the story is with that, because I would like to know what the deal is with that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk you through the problems that he's going through. I will read the problem to you, and you'll have a chance to pause the episode if you want to do a little scratch work on your own. And then I'm going to talk about my recommendations for those types of problems, and then I'm going to critique a little bit of Sal's approach in the video. So if you want to be watching the video and flipping back and forth between that, that could be useful. If you want to be just using these as practice problems, if you're commuting or if you're walking around, I'll give some recommendations for that. And then hopefully you'll benefit from my particular perspective on how to approach these types of questions. So why don't we get right into this? Uh, Quick caveat, this is definitely not a substitute for a great class with a great teacher or a great experience with a private tutor. There's no way that I could replicate that type of experience in a podcast. If you want that type of experience, I will give some recommendations at the end of this episode. Also, check out episode one of this podcast if you haven't already, or re-listen to it, where I recommend a lot of different resources for getting started with your GMAT studies. But if you're thinking about going the tutoring route and you can afford it, I strongly recommend getting a reputable tutor. Reach out to me if you want some referrals. Otherwise, if you go on Reddit and post, hey, I'm looking for a tutor, there are a ton of reputable tutors on there who are very active on the forums in r slash GMAT. 
And there are a bunch of uh, digital classes that are great. There are also great in-person classes, although not right now because of coronavirus. Uh, but there are uh, a myriad of fantastic digital live classes and digital self-placed classes as well. And I give a lot of recommendations for those in the first episode. So I'm not going to get deep into that here because I've, I've rehashed that in a couple episodes already. So let's get into this. Problem solving number one from the 11th edition of the official guide for GMAT review. So the question reads, a project scheduled to be carried out over a single fiscal year has a budget of $12,600 divided into 12 equal monthly allocations. At the end of the fourth month of that fiscal year, the total amount actually spent on the project was $4,580. By how much was the project over its budget? So quick note, these are real GMAT questions that, have, that were retired. The 11th edition, I think, is nine-ish editions ago and more than nine years old. So um, these, these particular problems have not shown up on a GMAT in a very long time. However, if you think about standardized tests, standardized tests are designed to change extremely slowly over time. So these questions are still relevant. If they weren't relevant, I wouldn't be going over them with you. So here's what I would recommend if you're going to be using this podcast as a study tool to do these problems and practice along with me. What I would recommend is just rewinding the podcast a little bit and writing down the actual problem text so you can see it if that's possible for you or typing it into your phone if that's possible and not too cumbersome. The other two questions I'm going to go over here in a moment are going to be shorter than that one. At the very least, at the very, very least, I would recommend having a little notebook with you when you're listening to this and a pen or a pencil so that you can practice quality scratch work habits. And that's something I'm going to hammer home a lot with these questions because it's just so important in my experience for people in terms of maxing out their score. So what I'd recommend is just pausing this episode, attempting the problem. These first few problems, it looks like this book was in order of difficulty. So these are definitely on the the easier side, if not very easy, but it's still really good practice and it'll still give me an opportunity to give you some quality recommendations here. So in terms of a solution path, I'll talk about what Sal does, which is is fine. Essentially what you're gonna do here is you're gonna end up dividing 12,600 by 12. And then you're going to multiply that by four to figure out what their budget was four months uh, was for four months, and then you're going to subtract that number from four thousand five hundred eighty, and that's going to tell you how the project is over budget. And that's exactly what what Sal does in his uh, his explanation. So this is at the very beginning of this video. Now, a couple things to uh, to think about here. The first is he writes down the information that's given in the problem as he reads through the problem. And I think he's mostly just doing that out of habit because I've seen a lot of his videos and that's kind of like what he likes to do. And if you're having a lot of success with that way of transcribing questions, then you don't necessarily need to change that, but I don't recommend doing that. Uh, I would actually strongly recommend making sure, especially with word problems, but really with all GMAT problems, read the entire problem once all the way through without writing anything down. Just so you can get the big picture in your mind and then go back for a second read where you write down everything that's given. And I've found that people make a lot fewer reading errors when they do that kind of thing because they're not sidetracked by the numerical aspects of the question. And then also they end up, they end up using more efficient solution paths 
on average, in my opinion, because they sort of already have the big picture of the problem in their mind while they're situating all the details of the problem. So that would be what I would recommend, especially with longer word problems. So don't do what Sal does, which is writing everything down as he goes, unless that's working extremely well for you, in which case, if it's not broken, definitely don't fix it. Now, the rest of his scratch work, you know, the thing that I think he does do really, really well is he does the scratch work pretty much perfectly in the sense that if you watch the video, he actually writes divided by 12, and then he puts an arrow and writes $1,050 per month. He actually writes down the unit. He then writes times four and performs the long multiplication on that operation. He uses a different color, which you're not going to do because you're not going to be able to do that on the actual GMAT. Unless you're taking the Atom GMAT, which, hey, big upside of the whiteboard is you can use different colors. Um, perhaps obvious, if, if it's not obvious, I'm joking. I'm being sarcastic. Uh, the online whiteboard is a major disadvantage. If you haven't listened to last week's episode about my opinion and thoughts on the at-home or online GMAT, then uh, definitely do so if you're interested. And I don't recommend using multiple colors unless that's super, super helpful for you. So then he does it again, which is awesome. He writes $4,580 after four months. He literally writes after four months. And I would strongly recommend doing that kind of thing, particularly with word problems. A lot of people will write down the right numbers, but then they will fail to write what those numbers represent. And that actually makes the test harder because you're forcing your brain to remember what the units are. The more you offload onto your scratch pad, actually the easier the test is gonna be. And there's going to be this voice in your head that's like, I don't have time to do that. I have to finish this question. Ah, you know, it's kind of you, you let the stress get to you. The test writers know that the stress of the test is getting to you. There's a lot of reasons that they know this, but they do know and they will intentionally write questions to try to test whether you're keeping track of all the details in the situation. So the best habit you can be in is just write as much English down as you have to with, with uh, units, four units, so that you can keep track of what numbers mean when they're on your scratch pad. This is particularly important in word problems. Then, I love this, he also does minus 4,200. He does the long subtraction on it, writes 380 at the bottom, and then writes uh, letter option A, I think is what it is. Yeah, letter option A right next to it. That is like perfect scratch work. If, if I were tutoring Sal for the GMAT, I would be like, major high five, man. <laughs> keep doing what you're doing there, even on the exam, not just in your practice. Do it on in your practice, do it on the exam. Um, the, the cleaner your scratch work is, the more someone can just look at your scratch work and tell how you thought through the problem without having to ask you. In my experience, the better results you're going to get. And you're probably going to feel like you're going slower, but net-net over cr across the entire exam, uh, my guess is you will actually end up finishing questions faster because you will avoid burning a bunch of time doing things wrong and then having to go back and reread the question and redo the work, which is just horrifically, horrifically common. And if you've been studying for almost any length of time, you're probably familiar with that. So what I'm going to experiment with here, let me, let me know how you, you feel about this, everybody. Um, and you can always reach me at, uh, at the GMAT strategy on Instagram slash the GMAT strategy on Facebook and slash the GMAT strategy on Reddit. You can always uh, reach me there. You can DM me. Um, I do my best to keep up with DMs. Sometimes things get a little out of hand, and so it takes me a while to respond. As of right now, I'm able to respond to pretty much every DM that I get. Uh, some of you have been DMing me on LinkedIn, which is fine. I'm, I'm more than happy to be connected to you on LinkedIn. I'm generally much slower to reply if, if you message me on LinkedIn because there's just more than the GMAT strategy going on there. 
and I'm not necessarily on LinkedIn every day. Um, but if that's the easiest channel for you to, to connect with me and contact me, then feel free. Uh, just know it might take me a little bit longer to get back to you. Um, in the future, I, I'm not going to promise that I'm going to be able to respond to everything. Uh, some, sometimes people have some pretty big requests that they want me to fulfill for free, and I, I can't always do that. I like to think that I decline politely, but let me know if you feel like I'm not being polite. Uh, but, but yeah, so what I'm going to do, sorry, I'm getting off track here, but I just I want you to be able to connect with me if that's something you're interested in. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through three of these questions because they felt kind of short. I didn't realize it was going to take me so long to talk about that first one, but I think these next couple are going to go a little faster. And because some of these are on the easier side, I'm going to do that. I may switch that up for future episodes. I also don't know that I'm going to go over every single one of these questions. There's kind of a boatload, but I'm going to try to give all of you as much as, uh, as I can with this without going overboard. Okay, so now he moves on to problem solving number two. And if you want to pause and attempt this one, then just make sure your scratch work is solid implementing the recommendations I just gave. So problem solving two says, for which of the following values of n is 100 plus n, the quantity 100 plus n, divided by n, not an integer? For which of the following values of n is 100 plus n over n, not an integer? So this is like a classic kind of number properties question, definitely on the easier side because of the 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 equation is kind of simple. Um, and then the answer choices are not like really crazy numbers or anything like that. But it's not too hard to imagine a harder version of this question, which we'll probably get into in a, a future episode. Uh, again, just pause the episode and attempt the question if that's realistic for you. Otherwise, I'm going to continue with my recommendations and kind of talking about what Sal does here. So... Sal makes a, a really interesting move where he takes 100 plus n over n and he splits out the denominator to be 100 over n plus n over n, which I think is actually a really nice move. I think he does it for teaching purposes. I don't know that he himself would do that if he were actually taking the exam. But here's, here's my thought on that. That kind of technique is worth doing and worth understanding. If you feel like you're not super solid on those kind of basic math elements of like fraction math, and you, you feel like that's a soft spot for you and you could be better, then I would strongly recommend working with Manhattan Prep's book, Foundations of GMAT Math. You can get a physical copy relatively inexpensively. You can also get a Kindle copy from Amazon if you want. And then you can get a free Kindle app for your computer or your tablet or your your internet connected device, and you can follow along. I uh, Quick side note, I tried to find a digital version of the 11th edition of the official guide, which is where these questions are from, and I didn't find a good one. However, if you search them on GMAT Club, I'm sure you can find them, especially if you search the problem text, they should come up. Um, I may, will hopefully get a good resource for all of you going forward with something like that. Maybe someone can uh, email me or message me with a link to a PDF or something like that. Um, I don't currently have a, a physical copy of the 11th edition of the official guide at my house, but when I get back into teaching in-person classes in San Francisco, then uh, I'll grab one for you. I don't, again, I don't know the legalities of posting like photos of things like that or whatever, so I'm not going to mess with that because uh, I don't want to infringe on anyone's rights here. But if you do know those legalities, just let me know. And uh, in future episodes, hopefully I'll be able to move through these with a little more efficiency. I just... Um, yeah, I just want all of you to feel comfortable letting me know um, how helpful this is and just teaming up with me to make this as useful for you as, as we can make it. So again, splitting the denominator, it's a solid move. It's not necessary. I, I mean, I think that's one thing 
about the way he teaches that's so great for things that are like uh more school related like how how i believe khan academy started which is just like teaching basic math concepts basic core concepts that you would learn in school but for free online which is amazing that's an amazing thing um I think that the he's porting over a lot of those great teaching skills that he's done with uh, obviously an unbelievable amount of experience teaching online. But I think if you were to replicate some of the moves he makes, that in some ways could help you on the GMAT and in some ways could hurt you, hence the desire to go through some of these together. So I don't think that's an essential technique, especially on a problem like this. He uses it to make this interesting conceptual point about the question, which is that n over n divides to be an integer. So you can kind of simplify the question to be, is 100 over n an integer? Which is great. I think if that appeals to you, if your mind works in that theoretical way and you like that, then that's great. But if you looked at that and you're like, oh, that's kind of confusing or that's like making the problem harder for me, don't worry about that. That's fine. You don't have to do that. At the end of the day, the core strategy for this question is just going to be plugging in the answers, um, which he does. He basically does. Unfortunately, he abandons some of his great scratch work techniques a little bit. He kind of gets a little soft on those with, uh, with his scratch work on number two. So the best tip I can give you anytime you're plugging in the answers, and I go a little more in, in depth with this in, uh, in my class, the GMAT strategy, if you're interested, which I always link to at the end of each episode, and um, in the private Facebook group for that class, I go over official guide problems from the new edition of the official guide, which I believe is fine because that's not publicly available information, that's, that's privately available, you can only join that study group if you're enrolled in the class. Uh, but when I'm going through that stuff, I go in with a little bit more depth of these types of explanations. So if you're interested in that, definitely check out the class or message me if you have questions on it. Um, the best kind of quick and dirty tip I can give if you're plugging in the answers is make sure you do what I was recommending in the previous question, which is write down what they represent. Write down what those numbers represent in the answer choices with English words uh, so that you don't get confused. Because I've found the biggest mistake people make when they plug in the answers is they'll often do a lot of correct math and then pick the wrong answer anyway, which is a horrible, horrible reason to, to miss a question. Perhaps that goes without saying. So what he does is he just writes one, two, and three. I think if I were going to give Sal a pointer, it'd be a small one, but I would write letter A is one, letter B is two, letter B is three. Three ends up being the answer because 103 divided by three is um, not an integer, whereas 101 divided by one is, and 102 divided by two is an integer. So that's that one. Moving on, let's uh, hit one more here. Again, these are on the easier side, but hopefully the recommendations will still be valuable. Uh, number three says, this is a geometry question, quote, rectangular floors X and Y have equal area. If floor X is 12 by 18, I can't remember if they use units, uh, let's just say 12 feet by 18 feet, and floor Y is nine feet wide, what is the length of floor Y in feet? So again, pause, scratch work. Make sure you're focusing on your scratch work if you're trying this on your own. And perhaps, uh, I mean, geometry questions are a place where scratch work is just absolutely critical. And I think Sal does a really nice job with this where he actually draws out each rectangle. Even though the question is very easy for him, he still doesn't do it in his head. And I think that's a, that's a big problem that a lot of people have, especially if they're really strong in math, is they'll end up dropping at least a few questions per section because they just went too fast through a question. And so one of the most productive ways to slow yourself down if you're in that situation is just write more down, write more down. Um, so he draws two rectangles, which I would strongly recommend. Every geometry question, you should be redrawing the figure every single time without fail. 
and then he writes in the dimensions. He writes 18 for the length of x, he writes 12 for the width of x, and he clearly labels each rectangle. He labels one rectangle with a big X, and then he labels the other rectangle with a big Y. And that's exactly the type of habit that you want to take in to geometry questions. Everything's super clearly labeled, super visual, because the, the more stuff you write down, the less stuff you're going to have to hold in your brain, and the more actual mental resources you're going to free up to actually do problem solving and put these pieces of information together, which is kind of the point of GMAT quant reasoning questions. So then he defines a variable L for the length of Y. He writes that in very clearly. And then he makes this nice equation uh, where he just sets the areas equal to each other. Area of a rectangle is length times width. So he does 9 times L for uh, Ys. And then he makes an equation where he sets that equal to 18 times 12. And I really like the move that he does here, which I always recommend to folks who take my classes, which is he doesn't just blindly multiply 18 by 12 together and then divide that by 9. Instead, he divides by 9 first, he just writes 18 times 12, and then divides by 9 first. And the, one of the best tips I can give across all GMAT quant is always save your calculations for as late in the problem as you possibly can. Always save your calculations for as late in the problem as you possibly can, because they know you don't have a calculator, so it's, it's pretty unusual that you're going to get some super gnarly numbers that are really difficult to manage by hand. And so there's probably going to be a lot of canceling going on, especially if you're doing algebra, where you're multiplying, dividing, subtracting, things like that. So he divides both sides by 9, so he's got 18 times 12 over 9. He cancels the 18 and the 9 to make a 2, and then the math's a little easier. He just does 2 times 12, and I like what he does there. He does L equals 2 times 12, and then he writes the actual answer, 24. Now, one thing he missed here, one thing he missed, one place he could have improved his process a little bit, is he did not write divided by 9 on both sides of the equation. So he did leave himself open to make a mental math error there. That might not seem like a big deal to you, uh, sorry, a big deal to you, but... I have found that a lot of people, probably at least 30% of my students, maybe more, end up dropping questions because they're not writing down their algebra steps when they're doing algebra. So big, big time recommendation, just get in the habit now of always writing out your algebra steps. So if you're adding three to both sides of an equation, actually write plus three on the left, plus three on the right. If you're dividing both sides by nine, like he's doing here, actually write divided by nine, divided by nine. So I'm going to pause there just, you know, because I, I don't know if this is actually super helpful for you, but I imagine that hopefully it is. This is stuff that I normally only teach in my in-person classes, and I get really good feedback on a lot of these recommendations. Even though they're small, the details really matter on the GMAT. The details really, really matter on the GMAT, and I think the deeper you get into your studies, the more you're going to come face-to-face -face with that realization, especially as you get into taking practice tests and start analyzing your performance on those and figuring out where am I where are my points going if you're not hitting the score that you want to be hitting so let's pause there for the day again give me some feedback uh, otherwise I'll assume that no news is good news and that you're happy for me to just continue with this uh, so I will go through as many of these as I think will be valuable for everybody so as always, my greatest hope is that this content will make your studies as easy and as painless as they can possibly be. If you would like more tips and strategies for optimizing your performance on the GMAT, just head to my website, thegmatstrategy.com, which is linked in the description of this podcast. You can click the link to check out my free video on how to achieve your goal score in half the normal time and with half the normal effort. Um, I'm also offering my, normally when I teach live classes, I only teach them in person, but right now I'm teaching online uh, due to the coronavirus. So if you would like to study with me and take a uh, GMAT quant, GMAT verbal, GRE quant, or GRE verbal, I'm teaching both, 
then just uh, click the link in the description to go to testcrackers.org and enjoy a $100 price break using the code TGS at checkout. In the meantime, this is a weekly show, so please subscribe and stay positive and stay consistent with your studies. I'll talk to you all soon.